0: hands down, from people who are not following Jesus, is that Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Yes, we're a bunch of hypocrites, and sometimes that's fair, sometimes it's said unfairly, but before we begin talking today about the crazy makers that drive us nuts, the hypocrites in our lives, I wanted to just kind of, let's, let's talk about what hypocrite really means. It's an interesting uh, etymology. So where does the word hypocrite come from? It's used in the Greek theater, and, it, and the word is um, uh, hypocrites, and what it means is a stage actor, someone that wears a mask, someone that puts on a mask. It's, so it's basically a person who on the outside is portraying one thing, but inwardly, they're not living the life that they're portraying outwardly. So it's, it's a... It's a it, there's a gap between what we're, what we're looking at and what we're actually feeling on the inside. And it's interesting because Jesus had no tolerance for hypocrisy. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, he says seven times, uh, woe to the hypocrites. Woe to you hypocrites. In fact, in like Matthew 23, 28, he says, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside, you are full of Hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus is always calling out hypocrisy. Jesus, um, Jesus wants us to the inward life and the outward expression of our lives to be in sync with one another. And the uncomfortable part about this message is because each one of us struggles a lot with that because we we want to present our best selves, but we know that privately we tend to struggle with some things that are uh, not congruous with our outward profession of faith. But how do you deal with those hypocrites in your life? And so, you know, maybe it's a buddy in your uh, growth group, in your life group, and they come, they smile, they they eat the chips and the dip, they tell the jokes, but everybody knows that they're, you know, that they're living, uh, they're maybe cheating on something or cheating on someone. Maybe it's a boss who professes Christ with their lips, but uh, when he uh, operates his business, he does it in such a way that's very dishonest. There's no integrity at all. Everybody seems to know it. He treats his employees horribly, but he professes Christ. Has no integrity at all. Maybe you've known somebody like that. But what is your role? What is your role in dealing with hypocrites? Do, do we actually, and I guess the question is, do we have a role? Do we just kind of go with it, or are we supposed to confront it, are we, or should we just stand back maybe and like let it you know, play itself out or just be prayerful about it? But the, the question is, how do we love those who proclaim one thing but act in a completely different way, totally different? Before we get to that question, I want to ask this, why are they acting like that? Because that sort of defines our response to it. What are they doing and what are, what, why are they doing it? And So I think some of the reasons are this, right? Why are people acting hypocritically? Number one, maybe they don't really know God. So the Bible says that, you know, if you haven't been born anew, you don't really know God. 1 John 2.4 says, The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. So just because they go to church, just because they claim they are doesn't mean they know Him. So, you know, the Bible says many will say, you know, Lord, Lord, and they will profess God outwardly with their lips, but the inwardly, they, they don't know Him. They are far from Him. So, number one, maybe they don't really know God. That's, that's a, an option. The second thing is maybe they don't know any better yet. So, for example, when I first became a Christian… Uh, I was, you know, into partying with my friends, and we were drinking a lot. And when I came to Jesus, I was 16 and rebelling really heavily. And uh, and my friends and I, we had a, another buddy that came to Christ at the very same time, and we really didn't know any difference. So we would a lot of times our language hadn't sort of caught up with it, and so we would let some things drop, you know. And, and eventually people had to say, you know, hey, you're not speaking in a way that honors God, and I, I didn't know that yet. So so was I being a hypocrite, or I just didn't have that information. I wasn't mature yet. So somebody maybe new in the faith or they haven't been taught how to live. 1 Corinthians 3.1 says, I was not able to speak to you as a spiritual person, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. And so this is a person, a baby, who doesn't need correcting. They need instructing. Sometimes people need information. And that's what discipleship is. It's leading by information, by transformation, by putting them in a place where they're being, uh, they're growing in God, where they're being refreshed and renewed. And so, but that's not the, the person that we're going to focus on today is this person. It's number three. Maybe they do know better, so they do know, but they still disobey God. That's the kind of hypocrite we're going to deal with today. And First uh, Peter 2.16 describes this person and says, uh, for you are free Yet you are God's slave, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. So these are people who use their freedom as an excuse to do evil. And so it begins with, you know, the kind of person that deflects, that says, hey, it's not a big deal. It's nobody's business. God is going to forgive me anyway. You ever run into that kind of rationalization, that justifying? You know, who are you to judge me? Um, it, it, like, maybe a guy just defending his addiction to pornography, but he's saying, you know, I'm not hurting anyone. Uh, he knows it's wrong, but he's deflecting, he's making excuses, or, you know, somebody that's not generous at all, but they just says, but, but, but you know, they're going out and spending all kinds of money on themselves, and, and they, they use the example, well, I just love nice things, so there's nothing wrong with having nice things, but, you know, they're using it to rationalize and justify their behavior. Or how about this one, I don't have a problem with, you know, and then just fill in the blank. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. It's under control. Or the the other kind of deflection that you hear all the time is when people say, well, you're not perfect anyway. You're not perfect either, and then just throw it back at you. And so, you know, what do we do with these people? Should we just say, you know, judge not, right, and let them alone? Should we say, um, you know it's okay, fine, go about your business? Or do we get all up in their business? Do we confront them? Do we get into their lives? It's it's really important that we get this right because I think Christians, when we err, we err on extremes and we've got to get this right because if we get this wrong, not only can we push people further from the things of God, we can be a bad witness to anyone else and we can hurt them and also hurt other people. So we have to get this right. And, and so when I talk about this subject, I, wanna, I want us to consider three ways that we can prayerfully confront others in their hypocrisy. And the first prayer is this. God, help me to confront with a heart to restore. This is huge. The heart matters. The heart is the wellspring of life. Conf- how you confront someone in their hypocrisy, it matters. So God, help me to confront with a heart to restore. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 1, says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. And, And the metaphor here is this, you are not the judge, you are the guide. A judge declares what is right and wrong. And in the situation where you're confronting hypocrisy, you're not the judge. You are a guide. Guides lead back in in a way of freedom and in truth. So your goal in confronting someone is not to be right, to draw a line and say, I'm right, but to lead people back to light and to life in Christ, to put them in a place where God can change them, to, to lead and not to judge. It's a huge difference. How did Jesus lead people and how did he love people? He did it by using grace and truth. Not grace or truth, grace and truth. So let's go back to the story of the woman caught in adultery. You know the story. Um, she is uh, she's caught. There, there's, you know, guys with stones gathered around her, and Jesus begins to write in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, but uh, as he's writing in the dirt, maybe he was writing the names of the people. We, we just don't know that maybe the, guy, the, the guy's holding the stones were there to uh, throw at her maybe some people that they had been with. Um, but whatever it was, they, they dropped the stones. What if, what if he was all grace at that moment? If he's all grace, he might have said to her, you know, hey, don't worry about it. Your sin is no big deal. Um, it's, you know, they're gone. You just go ahead and go, go about your business. But, um, you know, what if he was all, what if he was all just truth? What if he was all just truth? These guys that are getting ready to throw stones, they're right, and you need to publicly repent. But instead, what did he do? He said, sister, where are those who accuse you? Go, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He used grace and truth. He said, stop sinning, go, go and sin no more. But he, he did it in a graceful way. He confronted but led back to uh, to grace and truth, freedom and truth. And so, number one, we need to pray, you know, God, help, help me uh, to lead in a, in a way that honors you to confront with a heart to restore. And the second thing that we need to do in praying is, God, help me to confront carefully. Help me to confront hypocrisy carefully. If we go on in Galatians chapter 6, picking it up in verse 2, it says, watching out for ourselves." watching out for ourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So what do you want to do? The, the, the thing that you've got to do is be careful. You have to be careful in, in the way that you confront. The moment that we put our posture as the corrector, as the one who is trying to change that other person, we become vulnerable to pride, and the Bible says that pride comes before a fall, and so when we are confronting, when we are putting ourselves in the position or posture of a corrector, we are vulnerable to pride. Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, says, "'If your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother.'" So if somebody else is in Christ, you're not going to confront non-Christians because they're behaving as non-Christians. So we're talking about people who are professing a faith in Christ. Our goal is not to change their behavior, but it's to get them back in, the t- in, uh, in touch with the one who changes hearts. So again. Or we're not confronting unbelievers. If somebody comes in and they're struggling with their faith or they're not in Christ yet, we want to get them in Christ first. We're not trying to change behavior prior to, you know, their conversion. So we're saying if you're outside of, of faith and, and we're, we're going we're gonna to bring you inside, we're not trying to change your behavior. We want you to come into Christ, to, be, to, be, to repent and to be found in him so that you can be transformed. Um, so I, I love the story of, of David. It's, it's a really powerful story. We're going to get to it in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to talk about uh, Matthew 18. Because Matthew 18 is one of those uh, sections of Scripture that gets, gets used a lot in talking about how to confront. Um, and, and the idea there is if a brother or sister offends you and you go to them directly, you go to them directly. Now, so I think it's worth like picking it apart in the Greek, right? The Greek means you don't solve the problem on Twitter, on Facebook, right? You don't bang out the solution with that other person as you comment on Facebook. That's what it means, right? You confront them directly, So you got to hear me on this. I think it's so embarrassing and it's so wrong to confront somebody publicly, especially. Like if if they're doing something and they're out of line, you want to go to that person directly to confront them face-to-face, to to care enough to sit down over a cup of coffee and hash it out with them directly. If you see something that's out of line or out of sync with their faith, then you want to just have a a face-to-face conversation with that person. And and that matters so much more than just getting out anonymously behind a keyboard, keyboard warriors, trying to confront people on social media. And if they don't listen, then Matthew 18 says, then you bring in support. You bring in a friend, you go to a pastor, you start to bring in support. But that's how you confront. You do it carefully. You do it biblically. And Matthew 18 sets up a really, really good model for dealing with and confronting those who are um, acting hypocritically. But the final prayer is this. And this is, this is the one that I want to camp on for just a minute. And that's in, um, that's this. Number three, God help me to see when I am the hypocrite. When I'm the hypocrite, when it's me. It's not everyone else, it's me. Jesus calls hypocrites blind fools. And Jesus is so accurate in describing that because when you look in a mirror, it's really difficult to see yourself accurately. When you stare into the mirror, it's really difficult to see, to see who you are. And here's what I've learned is that whenever I am most, con- most um, condemning of others, I realize that it's something, it's a reflection of where I am the most vulnerable. Whenever I confront somebody else or something bothers me about the way someone else is living or something, somebody else is doing a certain thing, that a lot of times it's something that I am struggling with. And, and i this is where we get to the story of david, and i want you you know the backstory of David and Bathsheba right David um when he should't have been away to war uh he looked out on a balcony and he saw a woman bathing and uh he uh he wanted that woman he lusted after her, so he ended up sending her uh, husband into battle and had him killed uh and and then he took Bathsheba and and so you know. David had sinned grievously against God. He had sinned um, against so many others, and the backstory of this is in his sin um, that he was confronted uh, by the prophet Nathan. And it's interesting how Nathan confronted him. Uh, he said, and I'll just read it in 2 Samuel Matthew, uh, chapter 12, he said, And two men uh, in a certain city, one rich and the other poor, and he's going to tell this story. It's a great story. I'm just going to read it. The rich man had very large flocks of herds, but the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised her and she grew up with him and with his children. From his meager food she would eat, from his cup she would drink, and in his arms she would sleep. She was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the traveler who had come to him instead he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest now that's a terrible story right i mean automatically you're going okay that's that's some pretty harsh judgment and and listen to how david responds david was infuriated right he he was ticked off he said just picking it up in the story verse 5 david was infuriated with the man and he said to nathan as the lord lives The man who did this deserves to die because he has done this thing and shown no pity. He must pay four lambs for that lamb. And then Nathan responded. In the Hebrew, it's atah ish. He says, you are the man. You are the man. You are the hypocrite. David, you are the man. The thing that you're furious about is the very thing that you did. And you were too blind to even see Your own hypocrisy. When we look at the mirror, sometimes it's very, very hard to see ourselves. We want to see ourselves in the best light. I say all the time, we want mercy for ourselves and justice for everyone else. When we look at the mirror, it's very, very difficult for us to see who we are. And I think that when we pray and we think about hypocrisy, it's God, help me see when it's me, when I'm the hypocrite. I want to be so careful when I'm the speck inspector, when I'm going around looking for specks in everyone else's eye, because there may very well be something huge hanging out of my own eye. When I look into the mirror, it's very difficult for me to see what my own, what my own reflection is. You know, there's a great metaphor of who we are, and that is we're sheep. You know, it's, it's a great metaphor, right? Because sheep are stupid. Sheep wander. And when sheep wander, that doesn't mean they're wolves, right? When a sheep wanders away, the sheep gets distracted. That doesn't mean a sheep becomes a wolf. A sheep is just dumb. And sometimes we need to lead them back to the good shepherd, the one who leads us into good pastures. And the thing about being a sheep is um, you don't just become a wolf. All right, wolves prey on the sheep. And so when a sheep wanders, you have to lovingly go get the sheep and lead them back to the green pastures where the shepherd cares for them. And that's how you should view hypocrisy. When you deal with other people, you know, and they do something and they wander away, you know, the idea isn't that they become something else. You need to lead them back. And in so doing, you have to do it carefully. And you have to do it carefully because you're looking at your own heart and you're looking at who you are. And sometimes if somebody is confronting you, They are doing it in love and they're doing it in a way that you need to at least see that God is trying to use that person to change you. I want us to think and to pray about this right now because many of us are dealing with people and if I had a show of hands, is there someone that has hurt you um, in in their hypocrisy? I know that your hand would be up, everyone's hand would be up. And, uh, but if I had to ask the question, are you that person? That is professing something on the outside but is maybe dealing with some unconfessed sin or some real deep struggles in your faith or something that you're off track on i i I would bet that it would be harder to raise our hands um, but there would be hands up nonetheless let's pray father help us we need to get this right lord we need to honor you in the way that we love people back into the kingdom. That way that we go after the sheep lovingly and carefully, leading them back into green pastures, leading us back, Lord. Let us be a voice of inspiration, a voice of restoration, a voice of love. Give us the heart of a guide, not as a judge, but empower us to love your people with love, with truth, Help us to lead in a loving way people back to truth and give us eyes to see our own sinfulness, those things that stand in the way, those things that create a gap between you and us. Lord, help us. Help us to repent. Help us to live according to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.